Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hi, I'm Laura, and today I am going over the discussion notes for Hours 2 and 3 of Learn the Bible in 24 Hours, written by Chuck Missler. I'm going to go over the notes basically in the order of discussion and let you know that people went back and forth between those two chapters in the discussion for various reasons. The theme of Hour 2 in particular is in the beginning, and so one of the first comments was, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? And that got us a little bit into a discussion of the fact that God actually created a mature earth, mature Adam and Eve, ready to function as adults. Someone shared the idea of the gap theory, but in this case, it's more of a spiritual gap and has nothing to do with evolution. The idea was that possibly the first couple of verses in Genesis are referring to the fact that the earth had been somewhat destroyed, although people hadn't been on it yet. And we talked about the fact that although it can be fun when the latest science is in line with the Bible, that often men get confusing ideas about what they've discovered, and if they listened to what was in the Bible, it would save them some serious mistakes. For instance, in the first parts of Genesis, it talks about the fact that life is in the blood, and if doctors and ages gone by had listened to them that, then they probably would not have engaged in bloodletting, which lets the life out of the body. We discussed the fact that being on this side of the New Testament helps us to have a better understanding of the Old Testament and how through all of the Old Testament, the redemptive plan of God is being uh, foretold and put into action. As we discussed with some skepticism, the idea of hidden codes in the Bible, we also recognized that some of the things that are in it might seem hidden or far-fetched to us, but were culturally obvious or relevant to the people at the time they were happening or at the time certain sections were written. But then there are also things like the idea that the name Nimrod means something um, because of who Nimrod was versus the fact that he was named that because of the meaning of the name, so which came first there. But throughout all of it, all of the details, it is emphasized by these details that these are real people that are being talked about. There was a lot of discussion about this idea of God being outside of time, or as Chuck Missler talks about it, as um, he is above the parade and can see the beginning and the end, uh, that God doesn't need to look into a crystal ball to know what's going to happen next. But also that as much as we try to understand it or come to grips with these powers and these uh, different qualities that God has, at some point it just hurts our heads. And while God obviously wants to have some sort of interaction and relationship with us, I mean, he loves us, he died on the cross for us, uh, there is a point at which we say, why would the creation be able to totally understand the creator? We didn't spend a lot of time talking about this idea of the Nephilim, but did touch on that it makes it much more clear why there might have been good reasons to wipe out people um, before the flood and then in the land of Canaan. 
The apparent or supposed definitions of the Hebrew words used for evening and morning were curious to us, as evening possibly meaning chaos and morning meaning clear. We're still not quite sure what to make of that. But there were several things in the creation account and in delving into some other scientific uh, phenomenon that make us realize that there are things that we tend to think of as constants that we've been taught to think of as constants that maybe aren't constants, like the speed of light or how we experience time. Obviously, the idea of fallen man is introduced in this section of Genesis, and we get to be resting in the idea that we are already in a position of approval and we do not need to be working for approval, that quite possibly he enjoys watching us, he being God, enjoys watching us mature just as a parent would enjoy watching a child mature, and that he chooses to be in our timeline as we live, and that's a choice that only he can make, and that he is an amazing mystery. We talked about the fact that while God responds positively to good qualities like humility in a just and kind way, he also understands our limitations, both in dealing with a fallen world and in the time domain. And again, we talked about how all kinds of science does point to God, but that it's frequently ignored, and that the genesis of science as we think of it in the modern world was actually put forth as a way to discover God and his creation and learn what he had made for us to use. But it has more lately been redefined as anything which opposes God. If it's scientific, it's not of God, that somehow those two things are counter to each other, whereas biblically and uh, realistically, there's no reason for that to be that way. We touched on the idea of irreducible complexity. The um, example of the flagellum on bacteria was given where the parts of that particular little apparatus on bacteria is unlike anything else on earth and the parts are made specifically for that apparently and then there is the fact that many of the things which have been put forth as historical findings that support evolution have been well proven to be frauds or fake news is nothing new and people often did those things for making a name for themselves or getting government grants or at an attempt to disprove god even if they had to lie to do it Someone interestingly framed the question, did Adam and Eve commit suicide? I think the general consensus is that they were deceived and had deceived themselves into thinking they wouldn't die, so that is probably not how that would be stated. And we had fun discussing the fact that all cultures that have been recorded have two mythologies in common, which are a major flood and dinosaurs. From that, we got into talking about the Tower of Babel, which apparently is supposed to be more closely pronounced Bab-el because it means gateway to God. We talked about the fact that the story is a little confusing from our point of view because it says that uh, God was keeping them from doing anything they set their minds to do. But along those lines, possibly he was disrupting men, people, from perpetrating evil, much like in kicking them out of the Garden of Eden, he saved them from themselves from accidentally eating of the Tree of Life after they had entered this fallen state. Of course, God is not limited to having just one reason for things because he weaves all kinds of things together, and it could also have been because he had commanded men to go forth and be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and here they were just all hanging out in one spot. 
Someone asked why it took so long for Jesus to come the first time and why it's taking so long for him to come again. And the idea was suggested that the first time is just because in the whole scheme of history, that was just a really good time for him to come for a number of reasons. And then why has he not come back? Uh, It was suggested that maybe it's because he was waiting for you. Then the discussion took us back to the garden, and someone wondered how many days were Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned, and noted the fact that there were no children born in the garden. We discussed the fact that God was most certainly watching the serpent in the garden, and wondered if, just like in the book of Job where Satan had to ask God's permission to test him, if he had had to ask permission to test Adam and Eve in this case. It was noted that originally Adam had been supposed to watch over the garden, and the same words that were used when he was given that charge were then given to the cherubim after Adam had made his deal with the devil. But from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden to the people willingly participating with the Nephilim to get power or whatever they got from that, God didn't panic. He had a plan. He knew what was going to go on. It's kind of like God is letting Satan play 10-dimensional chess with him, but God knows every single move that is going to be made, has everything lined up to work out perfectly, and is using Satan, but Satan thinks he's playing the game anyway. And the last two things that were mentioned were the noteworthy date of the 17th day of the seventh month, having to do with both when the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat, and then also having to do with Jesus when he was here on earth, and also the fact that after the flood, we humans were very specifically given meat to eat, and the animals will now be afraid of us for that very reason. So those are some of the highlights of our discussion, which was um, quite a bit longer because we took a couple of hours to enjoy doing that. And the stage is set for Abraham. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey.